You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. See, that's one of the benefits and the perks of giving our lives to Jesus. Let him take control. Just scoot on over into the, you know, the passenger seat. Let Jesus take the wheel and steer our lives. It's so much better. Move into the center of God's will for your life because that's where the blessings are. Listen, all of Israel's problems were the result of their neglect to travel along that road to fulfill the will of God. We all want to lead happy and fulfilled lives, but the truth is that chasing happiness on your own terms will never get you what you want. In today's message, Pastor Mike encourages you to let God take the reins of your life. He knows what is best for you, and He knows where you'll find real fulfillment and purpose. God has good things in store for you. You just need to give up control, follow His lead. You can trust that His promises are good and that He'll be faithful to fulfill them in your life. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Trustworthiness of God's Promises. And King David made a covenant, so in other words, he agreed to be king over all of Israel, with them at Hebron before the Lord, as they anointed David king over Israel. And his coronation is uh, fully uh, explained in a graphic way in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, in verses 23 through 40. And sometimes I encourage you to just read that portion of Scripture during which time 340,000 soldiers came to David with a loyal heart. They were of one mind to make David their king. And what ensued was three days of feasting and great joy. So the record is recorded first, once again, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 23 through 40. I'd encourage you to read that text of Scripture. So now David is anointed as their king. David, notice in verse 4, was 30 years old when he began to reign and reigned for 40 years. You know, when when God first uh, called David and Samuel anointed him as the next king over Israel, David was only 15 years old. So all of this while, think about this now, but now he is 40 years old. So do the math. How long had David waited patiently for God to fulfill his promise. You know, sometimes we we just get so ahead of the Lord. 
you know, God lays something on our heart. God speaks to us in that still small voice. And he makes those promises to us concerning our future and, and uh, you know, maybe a goal that, you know, we're looking to attain. We brought it before the Lord in prayer. And, you know, God says, you know, Mike, I'm with you. And that, that will come to pass. And, and uh, you know, we're just anticipating it to happen immediately. But listen, God's ways are not our ways, right? And uh, sometimes we just have to wait patiently for God to fulfill his word and his promises to us. How long did David have to wait? Think about it. All of those many uh, years. Well, anyway, in verse 5, and uh, so he reigned for 40 years over Israel. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years in the south, and then and six months, so seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all of Israel, as well as in Judah. Well, so... Let's back up a little bit. Let me describe in more detail what had just taken place, verses 1 through 5. Well, in due time, after careful deliberations, Israel's rulers, as I've already suggested, men of authority, but let me add, they were, yes, they might have been men of authority, but they weren't really spiritual giants, by no means. Because if they were spiritual giants and were more concerned about spiritual things, they would have obeyed God's command for David to be their next king. And they would have never agreed with Abner to place Ishbosheth upon the throne. So these guys may have had some authority in Israel, but they, were, they shouldn't be con- considered as spiritual uh, giants. Well, anyway, they come to David in Hebron to make their appeal to David to become their new uh, king. You know what I see in this? I, I think that there's a type in all of this. Remember, as I've suggested during several uh, other messages as we've been going through First and Second Samuel, that specifically in the Old Testament, we have these types. And in First and Second Samuel, David becomes a type of Jesus Christ and uh, in so many different ways. And I've been pointing out all of the different ways, the similarities between David ascending to the throne and Jesus, who will yet ascend to his throne, his God-given uh, throne, when he comes a second time and sets up his kingdom upon the uh, earth. But, you know, in this I see a type, the way that the elders of Israel, you know, are now coming to anoint David as their uh, new king. You know, when other options fail, and that was the case with these elders, you know, there were no other options on the table. So listen, and, and this is true of so many Christians, when other options fail, right, we come to Jesus. We make our appeal to him as the last resort. When the truth of the matter should have been, he should be our, always our first resort, right? But all else had failed, and now they come to uh, David. And uh, so I, I, I just wanted to mention that. I, I, I see that type here between David and uh, Jesus. Well, anyway, notice the rulers of Israel petition here that's recorded for us in the first couple of verses have three parts. Verses 1 and 2 is based upon, the first petition was upon their ties of kinship. It was based upon blood relationship. So really now they're they're trying to convince David to be their uh, king. And the first petition, as they're reasoning with David, was, listen, David, uh, we're kinship. We're blood relations. We're all 
Jewish. So that was the first petition. And then the second petition was David was prove, had proven his worth uh, as a military leader. Uh, many times going up against the Philistines and being victorious uh, in battle. So that was the second petition. Notice there in verses 1 and 2. And then lastly, thirdly, notice what they uh, proclaim. And that was God designated David as the one who is to be his prince, his king, over his uh, people. So these were the three petitions that the rulers of Israel brought uh, trying to convince David to be their uh, king. And in this, you know, there's something else here that I want to mention. You know, in this, we have, I think, the three requirements that should mark anyone who leads God's people. What are those? And, And if that's a desire that you have, you know, maybe you feel that call of God in your life to ministry in whatever capacity. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you're looking to be a senior pastor, or maybe you are. You know, maybe you're thinking about, you know, down the road, uh, you know, planting a church. And we've had uh, several people over the years who have come through our ministry, and now they're out, and they're senior pastors, and they've planted other churches, and we've helped them to, to do that. Uh, maybe you, have a, you feel as if you have a calling to be a teacher, and, uh, you know, if we acknowledge and recognize, by the way, that gift, we'll, we'll make sure that we put you in that position uh, where you can teach God's word. And uh, you've heard me say this before, you know, the gifts that God has given us always make room for themselves. So we're always watching and looking for people, you know, to assume those kinds of positions, right? Because we want to benefit from them. Maybe you're a prayer warrior. And, uh, you know, maybe you want to develop some other... A different kind of a ministry here at Harvest Christian Fellowship, something that we don't have going on right now. You know, and you feel the Lord's leading to do that. Well, whatever your calling might be. And in that calling, really, the responsibility becomes a leader of God's people. And to be a leader of God's people, there are certain criteria, there are certain requirements that uh, you must meet. And in these petitions, I, I, I think that we have the Uh, the requirements that uh, we need to uh, meet. The first of which is you need to be a leader that belong to God's people in heritage and heart. You know, that we're all like-minded, right? And uh, that it's all about Jesus. It's not all about ourselves. It's not about our popularity. It's not about our getting the applause or the pats on the back. You know, someone telling us we're doing a great job. We're knit together in one, in heritage, and also in heart. And then secondly, the second requirement is a leader must demonstrate capability to a lead. You know, that we would be able to, without any reservation, you know, follow in the footsteps of the person who assumes that position. There's nothing contradictory uh, in his life. There's no, nothing to point a finger of accusation against. And then thirdly, lastly... So it must be capable, even as David was capable in in battle. And then thirdly, a leader must have an evident call from God. And how do we know that? Because of his gift. And it's just, it becomes so obvious. You know, the person has a heart for prayer and he wants to lead the prayer ministry. He's always like trying to enlist people to join the prayer ministry or whatever. He has a real heart for prayer. In your conversations with that individual, he's always asking you, is there something going on in your life right now that I can pray for? 
right? Or whatever. And uh, so the call of God is very evident. Or he's a teacher. You know, maybe you're, you're asked to lead uh, the uh, uh, men's uh, teaching in the men's ministry. And you're doing a great job. And people are receiving and being ministered to. And it becomes evident that there's a call of God upon your life. So these are the things that we need to think about. And if listen, if you feel that call on your life, and maybe some of these things are missing, but you, feel, you still feel as if you want to be used by God in any of those capacities that I just suggested, pray over them and ask God to give you those gifts. Listen, God wants to use you more than you want him to use you. The Bible tells us that his eyes go to and fro across all of the earth, looking for those individuals through which he can show himself strong on their behalf. God wants to uh, use you. Well, anyway, let's get back to our text. Now, these men, as I mentioned before, these leaders, weren't what you would call spiritual giants. And they didn't understand the ways of the Lord. They didn't understand that God had a destiny for Israel to fulfill. And what was that destiny? That God, through them, would shine as a bright light, right? That other nations around the nation of Israel would see the benefits of Israel's knowing Jehovah and serving him. You know, in the same way, think about our calling as the church. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5 and verse 14, ye are the light of the world. And we should have that effect upon the people in our sphere of influence, in the members of our immediate family, at our places of employment, the schools and universities that we attend, right? We should create an interest within other people to want to know the God that we serve. We are a light, a light that's ever shining. You know, interestingly enough, and I mentioned this in our study in the book of Revelation, remember the menorah and what the menorah represents. In the Old Testament, the menorah represented the nation of Israel as a light to the world. In the New Testament, remember when Jesus is revealed to John, the beloved, in what is that? In Revelation chapter 2, and uh, on the Lord's day. And John is in prayer, and he's worshiping God. And from behind, he hears this blaring sound, likened unto a trumpet. And he turns in the direction from where that sound came, and he sees Jesus, he sees this revelation of Jesus standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And even as the menorah under the Old Testament dispensation represented Israel and what God wanted to accomplish through Israel under the Old Testament dispensation, the menorah represents what God wants to do under the new covenant and new dispensation in the New Testament through the church, a light unto the world. And that's what God has called us uh, to. But notice, these leaders are only concerned about their freedom from Philistine oppression. Remember, the Philistines had just decisively defeated Israel not that long ago. So, notice in their reasoning with David, these three petitions, take note of it again. God is mentioned last in their petitions, right? The first one was in heritage. You know, we're kin, uh, we're, we're kinsmen, we're all Israelites. Secondly, David's uh, capacity to be a leader in battle. And then thirdly, God had chosen and consecrated 
David to be the next king over uh, Israel. But notice here, in those petitions, God is mentioned last. This should have been their first concern, gang. And had it been their first concern, everything would have fallen into its proper perspective. Now, what is the proper perspective? Okay, let's bring this down to personal terms. Whatever you're dealing with in your life's experience. You know, think about, because of their disobedience, what they had to suffer. Being defeated by their enemies. That was never a part of God's plan. Remember, when God first brought his people out of Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan, he went before them and he cast all of their enemies out of the land, decisively defeated each one. It wasn't until their disobedience where their enemies began to be victorious over them. So think about all of the defeats that could have been avoided. Think about the civil war that had taken place over those uh, many years. How many years was it in all? Seven years of civil war between the nations in the north and the south. They were fighting against other. People were dying. That, that should have never been. This all could have been avoided, right? All of the fear, all of the frustration, all of the confusion. Okay, so what do we take away from all of this? Well, make sure that everything lines up in your own life's experience in order that you have the proper perspective in all things. In other words, our goal is to make sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can do to get God's will done. We're walking and living by God's word. And if you do, you'll avoid all of the pitfalls, all of the problems, all of the difficulties, all of the defeats, all of the confusion, all of the unrest, and all of the things that are so unnecessary. God wants to bless your life. Jesus himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Hey, listen, do yourself a favor. You know, the truth of the matter is we're our worst enemies. Listen, get with the program. We're holding back. We're holding back, right? And we want our own autonomy. We want to be in control of our lives. But this is the result of being in control over our own lives. You see, that's one of the benefits and the perks of giving our lives to Jesus. Let him take control. Just scoot on over into the, you know, the passenger seat. Let Jesus take the wheel and steer our lives. It's so much better. Move into the center of God's will for your life because that's where the blessings are. Listen, all of Israel's problems were the result of their neglect to travel along that road to fulfill the will of God. And so notice again, there's no indication here of spiritual realities on the part of these Israel elders. There's no remorse for seven years of civil war, killing one another, their brothers and sisters, and, they, and all they want is for David to renew his exploits against their enemies, the Philistines. And again, this is like some Christians today who desire God's blessing, yet fear if they acknowledge his sovereignty, he will demand more of what they are willing to give. And so they prefer to maintain their autonomy, as I mentioned, and give the Lord only a small place in their lives. They're wishy-washy Christians. They're sitting on the... Fa I don't even know if I can describe them that way. I don't know if you can even refer to a Christian as wishy-washy or sitting on a fence. Is there such a category in Christianity? I don't think so, personally. Well, anyway, with everyone satisfied, David makes a covenant, notice, with them before the Lord 
and they appoint him king over all of Israel. And this public anointing confirms his private consecration that had taken place 25 years ago by Samuel the prophet. Uh, that had taken place earlier, that's recorded first once again in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Oh, the trustworthiness of God's promise. Listen, God is able, God is sure to bring about his promises that he's made to you and to me. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. It's taken from the book of Psalms in chapter 27, in verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Here's some good advice, gang. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, no matter what's going on. You know, you're fearful. Things aren't working out as quickly as you wanted them to work out. But nevertheless, you have God's promise. Just wait on the Lord. Be patient. I know how hard it is to be patient. At times, it's extremely hard to be patient. You're suffering. God, where are you? You know, sometimes it's hard to reconcile the things that are going on in your life, you know, with the God who's supposed to supremely love you and has made that promise to you in the first place. But notice... And he shall strengthen your heart. He'll enable you to endure. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Gang, listen. God is trustworthy. He is true to his word. He does not always fulfill our expectations the way that we hope he would. But those who faithfully follow him experience, as David did, the eventual fulfillment of his promises. And so the events that are recorded here for in, in this chapter, there in the city of Hebron, have proved beyond question the faithfulness of God. But you know what? There's something else here. Even more than that, David ascending to the throne, the Lord has done more than bring the kingdom to David. He has sovereignly orchestrated all of the circumstances of David's life to prepare him for the task of shepherding his people. When God first promised him the kingdom, he was just a kid. God had to do so much more to bring David to the place where he would be competent to be Israel's king. You know, I think about the promises that God has made to us. And, you know, on the way, the processes of getting us to the fulfillment of that promise. God is working behind the scenes, orchestrating all of the details, right? Think about that. So we need to wait. We need to see it like that. That's a completely different perspective as we wait upon the Lord to fulfill his promise. Listen, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And it's a good plan. So what do we need to do? Well, simply travel along God's path. That is the straight and narrow. And as we travel along that straight and narrow path, you'll find it to be full of blessings here and now. And that road that ultimately leads to eternal life. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online, just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. 
viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You get directions and service times at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram too. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for